Now it's working. And uh, I'm sure glad to have you here this evening with it very much. And um, by the way, Michelle, you had a unique opportunity tonight. You increased an entire Sunday evening attendance by 25% just by coming in. Well, I'm telling you why. You can make big changes on a night like this, just the little things, can't you? But uh, let's look at John chapter 14. And of course, we were in the early part of this chapter this morning as we spoke about the threefold blessing of who Christ is, of learning those things about Jesus, putting an emphasis on Jesus as the way, and then uh, the truth and the life, but a lot of time on the way. Excuse me, I'm doing house cleaning up here. That looks beautiful on you too, but I hate it messy behind me. Um, the, <clears throat> but John chapter 14, look at verse 15, if you will. Amazing statement made by our Lord. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter. That's uh, another of the same kind. I will give, he will give you another Comforter, thereby telling you that Jesus was the Comforter among them, with them at that time. He will give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, was not going to forever be on this earth in that conviction or that condition. But he gave the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us with that. Here he's called in verse 17, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. Now watch how it changes. For he dwelleth, what's the word? With you. That's Jesus right there, right then. He's with them. And shall be where? In you. Now, if you were in the main service this morning in the sanctuary here, and uh, I mentioned this morning and read where Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Jesus said, this is earlier in the same chapter, have I been so long time with you, Philip, and hast thou not known me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Very declarative. We're the same. We're one. Now, look what happens with this. He said, you know him, for he dwelleth with you, Verse 17 there at the end. And shall be in you. Watch. He's just promised. When I go, I'll send another comforter, even the Spirit of Truth, later on in this chapter, then chapter 15, 16. It tells you the Spirit of Truth is the comforter. That's identified here. He's also the Holy Ghost. That's in it, identified in just a little bit. So that's who we're talking about. Watch what it says. Jesus says, I, I, so that's talking about himself, I will not leave you comfortless. He's getting ready to leave the world. I will not leave you comfortless. Who will come to you? I will come to you. So within this chapter, he identifies himself with the Father, they're saying, and identifies himself that the Holy Ghost is saying. And so this great, great doctrine in here, not what I'm preaching about tonight, but my goodness, what fabulous teaching it is in there when you study through this. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me, because I live, ye shall also ye shall live also. And I've made the statement to you, purely on biblical grounds from this pulpit, uh, someone who's truly saved by the grace of God, you're secure as long as Jesus is alive. And that ought to make you happy, because Jesus will always, and always has been alive. And your security, you're kept, Hebrews says, by the power of an endless life. And that is, that's a tremendous thing there with it. 
At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And that's how that all comes about there. Wonderful thing with it. But I noticed, uh, please notice verse 21 in conjunction with verse 15. Let's review verse 15 again. Jesus said, if you love me, what did he say we would do? Keep his commandments. You'll keep my commandments. Now let's look at verse 21 in relationship to that. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him and make himself known, make himself uh, shown there. And tonight I'm going to speak to you on the subject of the love of obedience. The love of obedience. Now, that, that English sentence, I looked for a way of structuring it for a little bit of clarity, so, um, but I'm going to have to explain it because the way our, our, our sentences work in our English language. I, I know people well enough to know some of you heard one thing in that statement and some of you heard something else because of the structure. You could have heard and heard correctly, grammatically speaking, you could have heard me just say, someone loves to obey. The love of obedience. You would be correct. This is not what I'm saying. The love of obedience, what I'm saying is, it's the love that is shown by obedience. It is the love of obedience. In other words, it's the love that obedience uh, displays. Obedience shows this love that's there. That, I believe, matches in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. You love me? Jesus said you love me. He said, here's what you do to show your love for me. You keep my commandments. And, and I like that. And I've just got some thoughts on that. So let's pray together and we'll get into the scripture here. Father, thank you. And as we do, opening into the scripture made indeed get into us. May our hearts be open to it. These folks are precious to you. And it's important what's done and what's said tonight. Lord, help me to do it well, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. A um, couple of very simple thoughts here. Number one is, you cannot keep what you have not acquired. You can't keep what you don't have, in other words. I'll kentucky fired it a little. But you cannot keep what you have not acquired. As God's people... And as God's church in particular, we are given the awesome and wonderful responsibility uh, to make the commandments of God known from generation to generation. That's our responsibility. Now, I want you to think about this. The Bible being known to the next generation, that's our responsibility as Christians. And that's our responsibility as a church. It's not the responsibility of the United States government. It's not the responsibility of our local governments. It's not responsibility of the unsaved world. It is our responsibility to make him known to the next generations. And so, as he has given us the task, so he has fitted us for the task. Even as David did not go forth in Saul's armor, in that armor that which was provided by Saul, um, to battle, but rather use the sling and the things that the Lord had proved in his hands. Even so, as God's church, we're supposed to do things with what God's provided. And God has said that we are supposed to make sure that the next generations hear the truth. We do that in our soul winning as we talk to people about the Lord and who he is and what it means to receive him. We do that as we teach those who come to the Lord. And that's our responsibility. Every one of you, you young people, it's your responsibility. 
It's every one of our adults' responsibility. This isn't the responsibility of the preacher alone. And by the way, it's not my responsibility solely because I'm a preacher. I do have a degree of responsibility towards it that I will answer for before the Lord that is different than the congregations. I understand that, and I understand that from the Scripture. But my primary responsibility along this line is as a Christian man. And so not the office I I have been given uh, from the Lord, but the the fact of whose I am. I'm supposed to pass it along. Think about these verses, and we'll, we'll turn to one of them, but think about Matthew 28, 19, 20. We usually call that the great what? You know, great commission. Okay, now that's not a biblical term, but the concept of that term is the idea something's been committed to us that we're supposed to go and do. Now, um, when we look at that, Matthew 28, 19, 20, it says, Go ye therefore, what? I'm to teach all, how many? Nations. Right. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, and then what? Teaching them to observe how many things? All things whatsoever I have, whatsoever I have what? Commanded you. And so you cannot keep what you have not acquired. It's a great sadness that there are many places of all different types that have the title church over the door, on their letterhead, displayed, and yet do not open the Word of God and preach and teach it. My purpose of mentioning that is not to give us a thought that we're superior inherently than those. My thought with that is many of those, many of those at one time in their history did. Um, most of the major denominations, if not all, have gone away from a, a firm belief in the inerrancy of God's Word and the fact that the Word of God is a final Authority in all matters of faith and practice. They don't actually believe that. Don't teach that. And yet, many of them, many of them started very strongly on that foundation. You can go into many a place now that says Baptist Church on it, and it's not that you know it might be different than the way you like things done or that you think's best to be done, but you could literally go a number of services and not be taught anything out of the Word of God. At the most, it's a little tacked on homily. Way too often, what somebody, what the, the preacher has gotten from whatever group he gets them from and is repeating to this congregation. Um, <clears throat> that idea of a liturgical calendar was something that came from Rome, and that's not, uh, that's not something that was ever inherent to the Baptist churches, but they are, they're adopting that sort of approach to things. And uh, <clears throat> we have a responsibility to teach all things whatsoever God's commanded. This morning as I was in the Sunday school class with you three hombres, because right now we have, of course, Brother Jerry's classes combined with Brother Keith's, and so I had the, uh, the three, uh, the three uh, kiddos here in there in the class, and then I had Hunter there with me, right? And uh, so we had Timothy's and Hunter in there. And uh, <clears throat> I thought it was funny, next door, Nicole's class going on has the Bueller girls in there, so we had to, it was a family event on this end of the world, and I may just I may just make myself permanent teacher in there, Brother Keith's class. He'll be startled to hear that over this uh, if he listens to this. 
You say, why is that? You enjoyed the young men that much? Well, they were a good class. They really were. They listened well, enjoyed it. You say, well, is it, why? I got to sit in that big overstuffed chair of yours and teach class. And I thought, man, don't I feel like an executive? So that's something else. And uh, the, <laughs> it, it's, uh, for me, that chair would be there for comfort. For him, that chair's there for durability. Amen. That's not, a, that's not somebody you put on a secretary's chair right there, amen, unless you want to put him on a new one every month. Um, <laughs> so, as, as I was in there teaching, though, and I'm looking at that, and I talk to these young men, realizing that uh, in just a few number of years, you have the opportunity to have a, uh, to have a role, regardless of what your position may be, and, and either guiding and helping lead your church forward, or you'll miss that opportunity. And it's going to be in relationship to how you respond to the commands of God. And we need folks to be able to teach others. Those of us who've been at it a little while and have been in the saddle a little while, we, uh, there may be times in life you have to do different things and you don't quite keep the schedule you did or something like that, but... but the issue is we need to not abandon the thing. We need to never think in the terms of retirement when it comes to doing God's work. You know, uh, Brother and Mrs. Ball have been off the field, as we would call it, of England for a lot of years. We've continued to support them simply because they gave their life as missionaries for many, many years. And you all remember them. They were supported by this church when I came. And, and now they're in their years where they have health problems and they have different things and yet they're doing what they can do for the cause of Christ where they are. And may we ever be people who would do what we can do and tell another generation that God's good. Tell another generation that they're, they're God's real. Because here's the thing about it. Whether we tell them or not, we're going towards judgment. And we need to care enough not to just let people go on to that without a warning, without instruction. And without a voice being heard saying, here's what's real. And so we do this. Look in 2 Timothy and let me show you this. We're going to have a couple places in the Bible tonight. Second Timothy is where we're going. Second Timothy 2. You know, tonight perhaps I could have preached on the verse out of the Old Testament, fear not, little flock. It is his desire to give you the kingdom, amen? So we could have had that tonight, couldn't we? Second Timothy 2. I love that. I appreciate you representing all the young people over there. We got rid of the riffraff. We ended up pretty good, didn't we? That's right. Absolutely, girl. I love it. All right. Second Timothy 2 and verse, uh, verse 1, it says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, uh, that we would be strong in the Lord, in the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same. Boy, I wish I had to preach a message and just for 30 minutes just say those two words. The same. The same. The same. Not modified for a new generation. The same. The same. Not changed to not offend the overly oversensitivity of a, of a pathetic group. The same. The same. Uh, not taking into uh, account what is politically correct. The same. The same. Not backing off from the message of comfort and love and courage and strength and hope that God gave us just because the day seemed dark. The same. 
uh, the same. Commit thou to faithful men. And oh, how we need faithful men. We need faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And notice how that verse 2 is, uh, is put in a parenthesis of verses talking to us about strength. Look at verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Look at verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. So put within the parentheses of God's strength is this verse that we are to commit the same to generations to come. It's going to take some strength. Not, not machoism, but strength of the grace of God. Strength in the Scripture. Strength of resolve. We're in this for the long haul. We're in this to serve Christ. And uh, that kind of strength being there. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do. That's the love of obedience. I serve not because of reward. Serve not because of what I think is, is what someone else thinks about it. My prayer to God has been so strong here lately. I want to completely be able to not hear the voices of men and hear the voice of God through His Word, through His written Word, and preach this Bible in its purity. I don't know how long I'll get to preach. No idea. But let's say... If I had as long to preach as what I have preached, that's going to be remarkable. That's going to put me at a hundred and <laughs> no, let's say that's forty. I'm I'm coming forty, uh, forty years into it, solid, uh, almost forty-one. So I'd be ninety. I could do it. Yeah, we'll do it. Amen. I'll be ninety-eight. All right, and uh, lead me to the pulpit, point me in the right direction, wind me up, and let me go. Um, uh, double shot of Jericho, hit the pulpit, and preach on. Amen. <laughs> Only last three minutes, but pure fire while it's coming out, eh? <laughs> but however many years it is, I would like to more and more purely just preach the Word of God without fear, without favor, without anything. And you say, well, preach it, isn't that what you pretty much do now? Oh, but I, I, the more I'm in the book, the more, more pure I know it is. And, uh, you know, that same, there, there was a certain... There was a certain thing born in my soul when I saw that we are saved forever if we're saved at all. There's a good statement for you. When I first saw that, and I started realizing the ramifications for me in my young life with that, because I realized it was in the Bible, so I was bound to preach it. And I knew the folks I was preaching to were bound to not like it. I was right on both accounts. And I just want to—I just want to preach the word of God. Oh, it'll take us to a place. Do you know what it'll do? It'll take us to a place of real holiness, a purity of life that comes from the life of God within. It'll take us to a place of mercy. Take us to a place of a, of a love for God. It'll take us to a place of God's hand being there and people being reached and the gospel going out and lives being changed. My goodness. Yeah, do you realize? And I'm being just very candid. Do you realize what a wide variety of people and situations in their life, and I'm not going to go start naming them, but uh, where they are in their lives, where they're coming from, what's going on, are here just on your average Sunday. If you knew the stories like I know the stories, look around some and see what God's gathering in and where from. He's wanting to do something among us that will sit back and say, God's doing this. And uh, why is this? Make, make it known. The love of obedience. I can show Christ my love through obedience. You can too, and I love that. So the first statement I said is you can't keep what you've not acquired. If you're not obeying the Lord, you're not pleasing the Lord. 
And if you're not obeying the Lord, you're fooling yourself because you're not loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. If you're finding pleasures and perversions, yours or others, if you're finding some kind of uh, pleasure and thrill out of your voyeurism, looking at things which you should not, and watching people do things which are ungodly, you're not loving God. You can fool yourself with your own religious mind, but you're not fooling God. And the truth is, you know better yourself. Oh, may God help us to walk truly before Him. Then the second statement I wrote down is this, is each individual child of God were to seek out, learn, and live the commandments ourselves. I told the young men in the, in the class this morning, I told them, I said, it's your responsibility. It was kind of neat. I, I didn't realize, Wayne, that you didn't know that about the Sunday school lessons. I just, as I was listening, Brother Keith did lead into his class, and then uh, I'm going to be going to each of our classes around time, except the nursery, except the nursery. She asked me again, you going to nursery? No. Look up here. Look, hey, you, sis, I'm preaching you. No. <laughs> Got it? Uh, then no, it ain't happening. And, uh, and so anyway, that's it. You say, don't you love the nursery kids? I love them enough not to be entangled with them. Yes! Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, you say, well, your granddaughter's in the nursery. She's great. I'll hug her. No, she's not. She's not anymore. Where is she? What do we do with her? She's in Jody's class. You got Marlia? All right. I'll come teach her there. Um, I ain't going in that nursery. It ain't happening. I'm afraid I go in there and do too good job. Don't make me serve. <laughs> uh, but I asked our young men that were in class. I said, "Do you know where we get the uh, where you get where we get the Sunday school lessons?" And and yours was a good answer. But what he thought, he says, "Well, maybe there's somewhere you go, Bible program, something, download them, and that sort of thing." And he didn't know. I said, "No, I write our our Sunday school lessons and write our curriculums with that." And uh, and the reason I was telling them that, I, here's what I was telling them, and this is the point with this thing about getting this yourself. As I shared with them, I said, you know, the reason why I do that and why there's, all my teachers will agree to this, uh, there's always more material than you can teach in any given lesson, is because of what to put things in people's hands so they can do their own study. And I pointed out to them, it's our, as a church, we're supposed to teach and we're supposed to give things out. We're supposed to do line upon line, precept upon precept. And I'm searching God for doing that more effectively with that. But here's the thing about it. As we do that, it's your responsibility to walk with God. Hey, one of the greatest things in the world is me realizing as a pastor, it's not my responsibility to live right for anybody or to walk with God for anybody except myself and to come and feed you with what God teaches me to feed you with. But pursuing God is your responsibility. Yours. And yours alone. And when you stand before Christ, before the judgment seat of Christ, to give account of what's done in your body, you will stand there alone. Oh, I'll tell you something aggravates fire out of me. I get a young person and I'll ask them a question about their soul. Something about... uh, have you received Christ or something like that? And, and forgive me, I'm not picking on ladies. I, I don't do that. You know my nature. It's just, this happens way, way, way more with the mom than it does with the dad. It almost never happens with the dad. The mom will speak up. Oh yeah, they're Christian. Oh yeah, they received the Lord. Oh yeah, they, they, they got baptized. And, and I've had to actually before look and say, I'm not asking you. And I'm sure I'm friendly looking when I do it. But it's, but I'm not asking mama. Because mama can't answer for their, their spirituality. 
I'm not asking daddy. I'm asking that person. I'm asking that young person. What about you? And what about Christ? How about you and Christ? How is that? Because you and me, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we stand there, we'll stand there alone. I'll give account for this church. Whether or not I've led it right, whether or not I've fed it right. And I believe whether or not I loved you right or if I've mistreated the bride of Christ. I'm careful with that. But I will not give account for your decisions of your spirituality. You will. And I will. Let's allow that to make us sober. As the individual child of God, we're to seek out to learn and live the commandments ourselves. We seek by reading the Bible. Get in it. We're providing monthly things. Get in your Bible. You'll enjoy it. You say, oh, I read it and I don't have an appetite for it. You won't when you start. All right? Hey, I'm really not going to sound like a Baptist preacher. I mean, I almost forgot the offering. I'm having a stellar night with it, all right? But, but you're not. It'll be boring to you at first, probably. And there aren't pictures of most of them. <laughs> I, I got a child's Bible from Ollie's. I actually got them for our kids. They're, they're King James. We got them for our grandkids. I bought one for myself. It has the neatest artwork I've ever seen in I don't like these doofy things that are coming along. In fact, I, I didn't let our brother that sells books. I took some stuff off his shelf this year when he came in. I do that. If somebody's got books, I come in and I, I go through them and I'm like, nope, that one's out of here. And, and what they were, uh, they were supposedly pictures of what was going on. I'll tell you what it looked like. I'll tell you what the artwork looked like in these things. It looked like the anime. I'm not saying animated, anime. A-N-I-M-E, the, the Japanese genre, and that stuff's wicked as the devil. Every, everything that's anime is wicked as the devil. And it, it, without exception. And, and, and the artwork all looked like that. It had all that look, and it had that type of thing, and it had that feel. I said, no, I'm going to get that on out of here. And I started teaching about that, and he asked me, he said, but man, I don't, tell me what's, what's the problem with this. And I said, look, and we just talked about it. I said, we're not doing, no, that's not what we're doing here. I don't want this to go out. And so we'll do that. And sometimes we hit something that's almost borderline with it, something's borderline where I run into it, but it was, there was some stuff, I had some other illustrated stuff that didn't have that same type of illustration, but it was like, it was so much there, and I'm like, no, no, we don't want to do that. Why? Because it's, it's, it doesn't match with it. It doesn't do that. Now you'll start reading the Bible and it won't make a lot of sense to you at first. That's why you want to go in and, and you read. That's why I recommend. Sometimes people will get a storyline things like Esther or Ruth. You get in the life of David, the uh, life of Joseph and some different things with that. And you'll go in. But when you start, what you're going to find out, what happens with the Bible if you will get into it because it's the Word of God and because as a child of God you recognize you need it, what will end up happening is you start to develop an appetite for it. Now here's the thing about the Bible, and this is purely biblical and I can take you to the verses that prove it. You can build or destroy your appetite for the Word of God by your obedience or lack of obedience. If you bring a bunch of junk in your mind through your music, your watching and stuff like that, it's going to give you a distaste for the Word of God because you have two different types of things trying to come into your spirit. And you are bringing in filth into your spirit. And, 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 and men love darkness because their deeds are evil. That's why Christ said that they won't come to the light. And the more you mess with what's darkness, what's evil, the less appetite you'll have for the Word of God. Also, neglect will do it. Even if you're not jumping into that kind of nonsense, if you neglect the Word of God, you lose an appetite for it. And so uh, you have to rebuild that. Realize that's part of it. Look, the first part of it is like, okay, you'll get it. And, uh, but you'll start, you'll start going. Now, the exception I see to that is when someone's newly converted. 
And when newly converted, there's that, you know, desire the sincere milk as, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. And yet, even there, commands being given for them to do that. And, uh, and so, you got to decide to get the word of God in you. You're taught the word of God here, you're going to be fed the word of God here. But here's the thing about it that's, that's not you feeding yourself. You know, <laughs> suppose, suppose there was an arrangement somewhere in town that you could come and get a real good meal three times in the week. Four if you count Sunday school. And then the rest of the week, you weren't going to eat. How do you think that'd go? Now, I don't care who you are. You can't pig out hard enough in one meal to hold you for that whole week. You, you'd say, oh my goodness. No, what do you mean? I could, I'd go somewhere and they'd feed me and I'd actually get food and, and you know, a real good meal on Sunday and I wouldn't get to eat again until Wednesday? You'd say, what in the world? No, thank you. That's not what I want. That's what people do spiritually. And I don't know if you know this or not, and I'm not being silly. If you have someone who's in a malnourished or, or extremely undernourished condition, it's harder to feed them and them to be helped by the nutrition of the food in that condition. You have to build them up to it. So if you are constantly making yourself go spiritually malnourished every week, and then you come in on Sunday, at some point you're going to choke on what's being fed. And so what we do is individual child God were to seek out and learn and live the commandments. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto whom? Do you know? Unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Now, being approved unto God is God takes pleasure in the fact that we're studying His Word. Because here's what we do with it, Wayne. When I'm studying the Word of God, I'm trying to learn about God. And God loves to know the fact that we want to know something about Him. See? That's how it works. But then the uh, not ashamed has to do with our standing before people. That I'm able to give a, a, a biblical and a, and a sound answer to people about things from the Scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why is the rightly dividing so important? So that we understand how the things fit and what are our rights and what are our responsibilities at this stage in God's history of things. Hey, if you don't get that right, you have groups like the Seventh-day Adventists who think they're still under the Old Testament ceremonial laws. And, and are trying to attain righteousness that way, you have all kinds of strange things come up. No, we have to know whose we are and where we are and how things, how things are in the Bible with that. Uh, by the way, um, doing this provides a practical, and I'm talking about keeping the commandments, it provides us a practical and attainable way to show our love to God. I can show God I love Him. Okay, well, what are we going to do? I, if, I took, if I took however much money I would have right now, I'm just grabbing the change. I have more money in this on me. And, uh, but if I took my all, if this represents all the money that I have, if I was to clear out any accounts I have and everything I have and, and uh, uh, get whatever hidden money my wife has had, because all thrifty wives have a little bit of hidden money somewhere and uh, the honey money they have. Uh, but I, if I were to get everything that my little Pauls could get a hold of and put it all in a pile and offer that to God, what would I be doing? Making him rich? If you took someone with the wealth of a Bill Gates and he gave his billions of human dollars to God, uh, it would be a great thing. Keep him out of some mischief. But if he did that, what would he do? Would he increase God's wealth? 
God's not real impressed with our little metal coins and our little tokens of paper that are not backed by anything. The yacht, if it was real gold, he's so impressed with that, we'll be walking on it in the streets. Well, I've I've got jewels and I've got I've got I've got some real expensive jewelry and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's what makes up the walls. How we doing? So how's your pavement and plaster going at your place? <laughs> now, if we give what we have as an act of worship, and this represents what part of our life it took to earn it then God holds that in his seat because it's given in worship and honor to him and he counts it. Even the smallest thing. Didn't he do that with the widow's two mites and put them in there? And that, well, two mites, the widow didn't have a bug problem. Got kids, uh, what that is, that was a type of, type of money and it represented a big bunch of money to her for her living. It was all her living. And she, when she gave that, Christ had respect to that. Not because of the currency of the day, but because that represented her life being given to him. So you see, that's where the value comes in on the things. So what happens is, God's given us many different ways and, and, and to uh, show that we love him. And one of the ways is just by keeping his commandments. Now this is great, because any child of God can learn God's commandments. And we don't learn them all at once, but as we're learning, we say, oh, let's just be doing that. I still remember discovering things, you know, I got saved, I got, oh, this is me. And then I'd learn something, I'd hear preaching on it, I'd check it out, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I remember when I got baptized, um, I got saved, didn't know anything about baptism, right? Never seen it, never heard it, nothing. And uh, Brother Jeff, uh, our, our pastor, he's, he said, you need to get baptized. I said, okay, what's that? And uh, we had a baptistry there at the church, uh, like, like this one, and uh, he said, well, he says, uh, you go under the water and you come back up. It represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Every time baptism shows up in the Bible, it's by immersion. Uh, it goes under the water and back up. And, he's, and it's to be done by people who are of age where they know that they're saved. Now that varies with people, but they need to be able to clearly know they've accepted Christ. And so this thing, he said, uh, he didn't explain all of that to me, but he showed me in the Bible. He showed me there, and I think possibly in Acts. I don't remember all the exact details of the conversation, except that he opened the Bible, showed me that someone who is supposed to be saved is supposed to follow the Lord in baptism right after they get saved. And I said, okay. I said, good enough. And uh, he said, okay. He says, next service, we'll do that. Talk to me after the service. And I said, great. So I went home. And at this stage, I, I didn't have my car yet or anything. I was 15. I had a car. Actually, I bought a car. I just didn't have my license to go with it yet. And, uh, I, and so I, I went home, and I remember we were sitting at the table there at, in the big farmhouse where we live. And I was sitting there, and, uh, and uh, my mom sat across from me. My mom always sat right over here, and my stepdad sat here. And uh, my stepdad didn't understand these things exactly uh, as we did. And so I looked over, and, and I told mom, I said, uh, I said hey, I'm going to get baptized. And she looked at me, and I, I still appreciate this. At the time, I didn't understand how smart this was. She looked at me, and she said, well, good, honey. She said, why are you getting baptized? That was a good question, especially for this particular one of her children. Don't ask it that way. She said, why are you getting baptized? And I said, well, I said, uh, and, and all we ever called him was Brother Jeff. I said, Brother Jeff showed me in the Bible that now that I'm saved, I'm supposed to get baptized. Her next word, she said, as long as you've seen it in the Bible, then do what it says. 
Isn't that good advice? Wasn't that good advice? Very good advice. You see, you saw it in the Bible. You're doing it because the Bible says to. Well, that's a reason to do it. Then. Well, you know, man, I've been at this preaching business a long time now. I can't get past. Any, I can't get any better advice than that. I've never graduated from that school. That school will take you from kindergarten spirituality all the way up to graduate level until you go home. Uh, if you see it's in the Bible and you see it's of God, then do that. Now, wouldn't that simplify our life so much if we just get that down? And so what happens with this? What, what's he talking about? It says that we're supposed to, we're to show God that we love Him. See, that showed God because, okay, you want me to do this, I'll do what's next. And that says to my God in a very tangible way, hey, I love you. There's all kinds of little things. We got the best Tyrannosaurus Rex picture that Bradley ever drew in his life. <laughs> Nemo went over to visit on Thursday and she brought it home. And it was to, actually it was to Pappy, P-A-P-E, and Nemo, N-E-M-O, Nemo. So she's Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Pat, it's Pap and Nemo show right here. I, but anyway, <laughs> and he told her, and it's a pretty formidable looking T-Rex, and he told her, this is the best picture I've ever drawn. And you know, those of you who've interacted with Brother, know he's lacking in self-confidence. <laughs> and she said he went over to Roman and said, this is the best ever, just so you know. <laughs> and then, but again, he said, I don't care about hearing about your grandkids. That's okay. It doesn't matter to me. I care. And, but here's the point of it. That T-Rex, that thing done there, that's, that's an expression of love. That's important. Well, you think how much more then if your child, my child, and somebody, if we say, hey, we need you to do this or we want you to do that, and later they do it and they said, well, you wanted me to do that. You said this was the right thing to do. Man, that feeling. It's like, oh my goodness. I was trying to remember what sister it was. Came here for a good while. She moved. Um, there was something she was doing. And I said, man, you've been, you've been faithful uh, the time you've been here. And she said, well, when I came, you said that's what we're supposed to do. So I did it. And I said, why are you leaving? <laughs> and she was, she was going to be your family or some such thing. But here's the point of it. God's given us away. Suppose we all had to be able to do big, great feats with our life, you know. Boy, almost everybody would miss out. But God said, here's a way. He said, I've made a way where you can show me you love me. And where we can fellowship. I've given commandments are very clear. And by the way, here's the other thing. Those commandments will keep you from being destroyed by your own self and by the world around you. And my power attends to those uh, commandments. If you've not listened yet to the podcast entitled Power and Commandment, it's one of these ones I'm doing in the side notes from the Pastor Study series. I think it's episode six, but I may be wrong on that. Uh, but anyway, powers and commandment, you need to get that. It's a neat Bible teaching in that. But he said, I've given power with my commandment. Where my commandment is, where the word of the king is, there's power. And he said, this is a way for you to be able to love me. And then, let me say lastly to you tonight, if we love him, we love his purposes and designs. 
as we start discovering through the Word of God what God has revealed that He's trying to do, we love what He's trying to accomplish and we want to be a part of it. Neatest thing happened. I finish out with this illustration here. My wife's mama, we had her 89th birthday party on Friday. And uh, Kenny, her brother, and her mom, her sister Frida, and her nephew Timmy, they came from their side of the world over in the, you know, Dayton and then outside Middletown, Western Ohio. Myself, my wife, and then uh, uh, Luke and Lauren and Logan and Bethany and the kids, they all came from, we all came from this side, and we met in Xenia at a Bob Evans. And so we were going, and I called this Bob Evans, and this manager by the name of Jen answered. That's a J-E-N, that's even said that on her name tag. And uh, her last name's Case. And uh, she answered, and uh, of course we're driving along, I had her on the phone, and I said, hi, I asked to speak to the manager, and she comes on, and I said, I asked her name, and I said, let me ask you something, and I said, uh, I have a group, and I wasn't sure how many would be there, I said, somewhere between 11 and 13, uh, we'll be there, and I said, we'll be meeting at 5 o'clock, and I said, I'd like to get that set up, and that sort of thing, and she was very nice the whole time, but she's like, well, sir, we don't, we can't do a reserved seating of any type. It's come, you know, first come, first serve, and all that. I said, yeah, but it's your Bob Evans. I've been there before. I think you got a back area there. And I said, can, we, can I put some tables? Well, I can't guarantee anything. As we kept talking, I said, I said, yeah, we're, I said, we got people coming from, you know, an over an hour, hour and a half away each direction coming, and and I said, uh, it's it's my wife's mom's 89th birthday, and we're getting together, and it's a special night for. Her. Well, I could put there's some tables and a round table and some square tables. I was like, no, nah, that's not going to work so good. I said, we really want to be at one longer table. And I said, that the configuration of that. She goes, well, you'd be right there back to back. I said, well, this is a special time for the family. And we don't really want to be back to back. So she got thinking on it. And she says, well, I could try to put, uh, put several together there. And you could be all in one line. I said, no, that's what we're looking at. And I said, this is neat. And it's her 89th birthday. And man, we're fortunate enough. She's in good health. We're going to be meeting together. I'm talking to her like this. And uh, okay, she said, but I can't guarantee. And she said, but we'll do this. And she says, I'll be, my, my other manager will be on then. I won't be here, but I'll leave word and all that. So hang up, we're driving along. It wasn't what, 10 minutes later at the most. She calls, there's a call, comes up on my, comes up on my dashboard, on my car there, but uh, Bob Evans, Jeffersonville, you know, there, I, I say Xenia, but we're Jefferson there at the Destination Outlets, formerly known as Tanger, formerly known as Jeffersonville, formerly known by something else before we go. Um, but uh, anyway, the, uh, um, it comes up and I answered it and she said, uh, is this Phil? I said, yes, it is. She said, this is Jen. She said, I want to tell you what I did. She was so animated. She goes, we're going to make this really good. I said, all right. She goes, I've got the table set up. She said, I have a lighter there in case. She said, do you have a cake or anything? I guess my wife's made cupcakes. Okay, I've got that in case you need it. She goes, I thought too it might help because we're being older. She said, I turned the heat up in that area. Would that be all right? She said, I said, yeah, I will. She goes, I've got it all ready for you. And uh, I said, okay, who's the second shift manager so I can know who to ask for? She goes, no, 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 I'm staying on. She said, we have one cook and I'm going to stay to make sure this thing goes. And we're going to have a great night. She was so excited. By the time we got there, she was just like this. It was like, yay, it was her party. We were having a good time with it. And I said, it is so fun when people get involved and want to do that. It really made it, it, made it a neat evening. I said, we need to kill the music. We need to do this. Man, she just took care of it. 50% off. She caught that one. Didn't fly. But anyway, and, um, but she did give us all 20%. Off. Yeah, so anyway, we did okay. But it was, what she, what'd she do? 
she saw this was a special night and she decided to become part of it. You know what that became? We were thanking her, very grateful for the way she did it. And she was thanking us. Thank you. That made today so great. Can I tell you something? If we find out what our great God's doing through his, as expressed in his word and his commandments, and we just decide to put ourselves into that, we can head the direction he's heading and we can participate in what he's doing and it can be a great, great thing. Just a lot of good stuff in these chapters, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your people tonight and I pray that you'll bless them. Thank you for us being able to gather and help us, Lord, uh, to look for what we need to do and how we need to obey you. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, please. And I'll give you a chance. The altar's open. If there's something you want to come talk to the Lord about, wouldn't it be a great time to present your body to the Lord? Wouldn't it be a great time to say, God, I went in on what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. And uh, just commit yourself to the Lord. Uh, invitation's not something we tack on. Therefore, it's not something that we do away with if we don't have everything exactly as it normally would be. But it's a chance for you to respond to the Lord. Take these truths and use them.